The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. We traveled around quite a bit, saw the Grand Canyon, the Joshua Tree, Yosemite. I bet you won a few quid. Jeff played a little blackjack, but not much. We saw a couple of shows. David Copperfield, a pen and teller. David Copperfield, I love Dickens. <laughs> he's a magician, Sal. Oh, no, he's got such a way with words. I wanted to see Menopause the Musical, but when Jeff went to get the tickets, they'd sold out. Oh, that's typical. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catch-Up podcast I discovered last week that Volvo.co.uk is available for purchase, and that got me thinking. I'm Gavin. And I'm checking the bank account. Oh, what for? To make sure you haven't bought Vogel.co.uk. That's 12 bucks, that's all it is. For the whole year? Yeah. Hmm. I can't be bothered doing anything with it though, otherwise I would buy it. Interesting. We could post a blog there. You know that blog that we had? <laughs> or like put other that coordination never news and I don't know. We really need to start a Patreon so that one of us can quit our jobs and Much more do you think this just... Patreon thing's going to bring in because <laughs> our most successful podcast that we do is bringing in currently two bucks a month. It just got started, though. You haven't even put any of the bonus content out. I don't think that will maybe encourage a couple more people to... It's not really there to make tons of money. This is our SpongeBob Squarecast that I do mm-hmm. with Steli. Yeah, and the Patreon is set up so to to boost her, her college fund. Right. We could use this one to boost her Benny's college fund, since bo- Benny can't be bothered to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. How... <sighs> How can we possibly raise a child who isn't interested in podcasting? I know, it's so weird. <laughs> what a great idea. I still think that's worthwhile doing. The Stupid Crimes. Oh, the Stupid Crimes podcast, yeah. You know what? You should you should uh, see if Nick is interested in, in doing Stupid Crimes. I bet he would be. Mm. <laughs> it's just not as fun talking to a 20, 21-year-old child. Well, he just mumbles. <laughs> Well, no, when he gets really interested in something and he becomes really animated, then you can understand him. It's Mm. just everyday talk where he mumbles. Yeah, it's just tricky. And he's asleep most of the time anyway. Uh, Millennials. Uh, He's the only millennial. The other one, the other two are Gen Z. Or post-millennial, if you prefer, which I think I do. So there. Or Zoomers. Zoomers? Zoomers. (laughs) Great. No, we're Gen X and we're ever... And we're raising Gen Z. It's a good world. Is it? <laughs> Not no, really. it's a shit world. It's really We watched shit. that election last night, didn't we? <laughs> hey, I thought we were going to get political. We're not getting political. <laughs> I'm just making an observation. <laughs> and we talked about that 
in the first cut of this, which we <laughs> then stopped because we, we were getting suicidal stopped. towards before we even got to the preamble. <laughs> oh, it's been a hard day. It's been such a hard day. How did the trivia thing go, by the way? Oh, it went well. I, I do trivia for... Your holiday party. My holiday party, which is a room that sits probably... Oh, 120 people. Yeah, it's and a big like room. 60 people in the room. And we've got these two big massive screens and I've got a PowerPoint that runs through right. a, a trivia deck. It's very professionally done. Mm-hmm. And it gives me the opportunity to stand up and talk in front of people. Right. Which it, I it, hate. It, it gives you... You don't really hate it. No, I don't hate it at all. I love it. No, you love it. <laughs> you get a chance to play Johnny. Do you, do you, do you talk about... Chicken con carne while you're up there doing the I trivia. T- I didn't mention chili con carne, no, but <laughs> I did do, for some reason, an impression of uh, Cliff from Cheers <laughs> when I mentioned the word Johnny Cassian. It was better than that. Because when I, I said it, so. everyone went, ooh, God can speak American. How did that happen? Oh, I hate it when you do mm-hmm. that. That was good fun. The uh, legal team at work, they had, for Johnny their holiday... Cassin. That was it. Johnny Cassian. <laughs> For their holiday party, they had uh, like a projected uh, recording of a of a fire in a fireplace. Yeah, we had that. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was what my trivia went on to. Right, those big yeah. screens, and then I put it back to the the fire after it was done. Oh, this is the second year that we've done this, and I was told before we started by uh, one of the admins that we won't be doing it for a third year. No, I thought, what a way to. Start. Well, we give him a little boost to say this is the last year this will be getting done. I doubt it very much because as soon as we were finished, everyone left. <laughs> the thing was supposed to run to five o'clock. Everyone left at four thirty after the trivia was done because they didn't plan anything else. That's I, weird. It's, hmm. it's going to look bad though if HR doesn't do one next year because all the other departments do one. Well, they'll do a part. They just won't do trivia. Seems like trivia was. Yeah, the one loves thing it. that everybody loves. <laughs> they really enjoy it. <laughs> well, HR, everybody. Yay! <laughs> this is why I work alone in this room. It was quite nerve wracking. And my coworkers are four cats and a dog. Until I got started, and then I really got in the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. Good. Good on you, Madeline. We do it well. You do. It's. Very professional. You're done. a little annoying, you know, the weeks coming up because you, you keep trying the questions on me. Mm-hmm. I've got a hard time with Audrey, who I was working with, to put this together because I'd ask of her opinion. She'd give me her opinion. I'd ignore her opinion and just change the questions without telling anybody. <laughs> so it just became kind of my, my yeah. baby as opposed to a team effort. Oops. Yeah. I, I know f- trivia. I feel for Audrey. <laughs> I can relate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we were going to do half of it each, and then she said, just you, just you do it. Just you do it. <laughs> so it was fine. Anyway, shall we preamble, my dear, get through this yes, please. week of Coronation Street? This is the second last one before before Christmas. Yes. Are we going to bring our recording equipment again this year and record in the hotel room? I don't think we have to, because we're... We're up to date for common language and Yes we are. We'll become up to date for SpongeBob and then we just won't do it the week between Christmas and New Year. The Cory? Yep. Mm. 
I can get to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, folks. No offense. Yeah, we but, love we, it. but we, uh, we're not doing it over Christmas. No, we uh, we very we're very excited to do our first two parter for for common language on uh on sitcoms when good. we realized we had so much to talk about right. that it was going to take two episodes. So that worked out nicely. Worked out nicely. Yes. So that preamble thing that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shall we? Now that we've plugged both of our other podcasts. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> Nobody listening to this will then listen to. Anyway. <laughs> no, they will. Oh, it's Cory News. Our Kirky, Andrew Webbitt, got second place on I'm a Celebrity. He was robbed. He was robbed. Well done. Peanut will be so proud. <laughs> Peanut's birthday this week. It was. Julia Golding has had her baby. Oh, she has? Yay! What did she have? Yes. She had a boy. Franklin Wolf Silver was born. Oh, excuse me, what? <laughs> Franklin mm-hmm. Wolf. Wolf. Silver. Wolf. Was born on November 30th. Congratulations. Finally, Alison King won an iTalk Telly Award for Best Soap Performance and recently celebrated her 13th anniversary on the show. Sue Nichols also won in I Talk Telly for special recognition. She's been on the show for 40 years. And a shout out to listener Nancy Hohanishan. I hope I got that last name right. For the tip on the Twitter. Oh, I was going to mention that in the mailbag. Well, it was a tip for news. Right. So now you don't have to mention it on the mailbag. So, yes. Thank you, Nancy. The first person to ever actually listen to me, <laughs> and when I asked for tips, submitted a tip. That's awesome. Please keep it up. It made my life Stop so trying much easier. Outsource your Corey news. <laughs> oh, that's Corey news. Our mailbag. Well, I can skip over the first thing in the mailbag then. Yeah, walk off. Friend of the podcast, Chris, wrote in to say, We're all pleased to see bad things happen to Kel, obviously, but I was intrigued to know as to on what grounds Kel was sacked. As far as his employers are aware, he was assaulted by a deranged member of the general public who was spouting malicious, evidence-free slander while going about his business. Yes, he has been charged with burglary, but seemingly out on bail and convicted thus far of nothing. And regarding the fate of the bistro, I'm not sure that Irish Tina and Michelle have joined forces just yet, but I do think Michelle will sell it to her former adversary for a nominal fee, maybe a pound, just so Irish Tina can stick around and really rub Robert's face in it. Probably not like that. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) And not exactly a mailbag item as such, but we were listed as one of Toronto Public Library's picks of 2019. Did you see that? Yes, I did. That was absolutely lovely. Christy writes, A humorous, and I mean I have literally spat out my coffee, I was laughing so hard, weekly review podcast featuring the delightful Gavin and Helen. Aww. Delightful. We are delightful. The nicknames for characters in the show actually had me in stitches. I'm hoping that some will eventually be referenced on the show itself. Vicky Jeffries' Irish Tina really needs to happen. Their banter is wonderful. Maybe not tonight, though. And their <laughs> moment of the week picks range from warm-hearted to comical scenes to heart-wrenching, dramatic powerhouses. Aww. What a lovely thing to say. That is a lovely thing to say. Ben Price fi- fan page said something lovely about us this past week as well. Did they? Yeah. I can't, re- I can't remember... Exactly. Well, what she said, but it was you know how much how much she enjoyed the podcast this past week and what oh, a sweet a lot of what, to do. what a what a sweet couple we are and oh, stuff. Well, 
I'll see if I can find it. Please indeed, I think I did remember. I think I do remember reading mm-hmm. that. Oh, we had a lot of back and forth with Colson as well about uh, <laughs> how bad. About love how he's is. wrong about love actually, mm-hmm. because he is. So he asked for a link to the article that we, we posted the other day, which I gave him, and then he said, Oh, yes, I think I read that. And then he mentioned something to do with Mr. Mr. Bean, Bean, which isn't is referenced an in the article. No. So I don't know what he was listening to or reading, but it certainly wasn't that. Millennials. Hindsight corner. A blue, 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 blue. Izzy getting arrested. In 2016, Izzy starts using marijuana to relieve her chronic pain. She's arrested for buying cannabis and assaulting a police officer by running over them with her wheelchair. She loses her temper in court, saying the laws of the land are stupid. And the court expresses sympathy for her, but nonetheless, she is sentenced to two months in prison. And when she gets out, she finds out that Gary no longer loves her. So that's Aww. nice. Gary's an asshole. Thank you to Canadian Helen, who wrote into. Tell me that. Mm-hmm. After I'd written it, but I think we copied it from the same place, so... Yeah. Thanks anyway, Canadian Hell. Now it's time for my favourite segment of this week and every week. Last year tonight, with me, John Oliver. <laughs> Our episode... You're much more attractive. Let's do, he looks like a parrot that's been... I can't remember what he says. He, he looks like Zazu, who he played in The Lion King. <laughs> right. It was perfect. Our last... Oh. Such a good tune. Last week's... You did a good job. Last year's, even. Uh, episode was called Kebab Shop Owning Robots. Do you remember what that was about? Robots owning kebab shops? Gemma asked Dev if he was so feeling that he'd be a weird kebab shop owning robot because he was going to sent Chesney to jail mm-hmm. because Chesney and Kirk robbed the kebab shop to pay for unspecific German cancer treatment for Sinead and it's all resolved within the week but leaves Chesney relieved of his duties as manager something that's swiftly forgotten mm-hmm. last week last year I was Gavin and you had a hernia that was fun oh god that was not fun no I'm, I'm so glad that I'm finally that took forever to heal and mm-hmm. then one day I just Woke up, you know, what was it, four, five months after the surgery and realized I'm not in pain anymore. Five months after the surgery. No, it was more than that, wasn't it? Was it? I don't know. I'm losing track of your surgeries. You have far too many of them. No, you're right. Phil calls Kathy Beverly and then discovers that Brian looks like he's fiddled a test with his kids to get better results and pass the Ofsted. Nick sells his car to Imran. Mike and Liz eat an erotic d- dessert at the bistro and thanks to Jenny and her Johnny app, she man- manipulates Eileen to find them and scupper their hollybob plans. Then Mike decides that he doesn't trust Liz going on a singles vacation, so dumps her. Ugh. Remember Mike? What an asshole. What an asshole. Evelyn encourages Roy to take her to a remote piece of wasteland to try and find Cerberus. I wonder how that's going to turn out. Mm. We wondered what had happened to homeless Carol. And we, and we, we still wonder. are still wondering. It's 16 months later. Oh. <laughs> Archie dies. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, and we were all excited about the funeral, and then it... We didn't get to see it. We didn't get to see it, which made me sad. Robert reneges on his spooch deal with Kate, and Michelle muses that maybe at some point in the future, she might consider thinking about having another baby. 
Ran is less than amused when she discovers Kate's scuppered plans and walks out. Michelle never did find out about any of this, I don't think. Did she? I don't think so. Robert got away with that one. <laughs> our moment of the week was Sinead's I Don't Want to Die speech with Chesney. And our boring moment of the week was Emma and Nick trying to out our each other talking about wine. And that was... Oh, that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street. Last, last year. Last year tonight. Last year. Last week. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes. Our first storyline tonight is Baby Shark. Baby Shark. On Monday, we open out of focus. Gary sees a note that Maria has taken Liam to school. He seems to take a bit of umbrage at this. And then takes a swig of juice. And when Maria comes back, he hides his juice drinking for some reason. Maria announces it's Peanut's birthday, and Gary is so disgusted by this that he leaves, which allows Maria to take the pregnancy test out of her bag for the third time in two episodes. Yay! Nick catches up with Sarah outside the Knicker Packing Factory slash Community Centre. He has a loan application for the factory. Ooh. Mm. Then Gary comes into the barbers with coffee. Maria needs a word with him. He assumes it's a brush off, but Maria announces that she's pregnant, and it's definitely his. So what now? Asks hmm. Gary. And Gary says he'll I was really hoping it was Ali's. Did they ever do it? He slept over a couple of times. Did he? I don't remember that. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that... I'm sure That's they Maria, did. after all. Oh, be nice. Well, she wears knickers to keep her ankles warm, let's face it. That is awful. <laughs> it is awful. You are awful. It is awful. So Gary is now... Steve has passed the mantle of the magic spooge onto Gary, apparently. Yeah, they talk about... Uh, or some people talk about Gary's spooge. Yes. In mystical terms. Yes. Later on in the week. Mm-hmm. Gary says he'll... Su- There's something in the water on Coronation Street. Yeah, Gary's spooge. <laughs> oh, yuck. <laughs> It's a bit cummy. It's oh, <laughs> oh, so gross. Wait. It's the grossest thing. Oh. Oh. oh, it gets caught in the back of your throat. As well. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, Gary says he'll support her either way. Maria has considered, has considered having another kid, but she needs commitment from him. But she says that she's not a psycho. Her instinct is to have it, so Gary thinks that they should move in together. He says he keeps the toilet seat down and doesn't drink from the carton, which is a lie. And there's a flat in Victoria's court coming up for sale. Well, we know the carton part's a lie. He says he's happy about this, and she agrees. Gary has (sighs) dropped off a brand new Range Rover at the garage for a service. Is it a Range Rover? Mm Mm-hmm. Who did you think it was? I didn't know, but it looks... Didn't look big enough for a Range Rover. That was fucking massive. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> this is America. I've seen bigger cars than that. He claimed he picked it up from some bloke who was selling his business and emptying his house, which is another obvious lie. Mm. Kev initially looks suspicious, and Tyrone finds Weddy County season tickets and prescription sunglasses in the glove compartment. Mm-hmm. Ooh la la, says Kev. Ooh la la. Then Gary shows the new motor off to Maria and says it's for her. Maria is well made up by this, and privately, Gary says that the season tickets and glasses are now back with the rightful owner. Nick and Sarah wander by, and Nick is wondering how much Derek is paying him. 
Didn't really understand that. Mm-mm. How much is Derek paying you? He says to Gary. Right, because because as far as he knows, Derek is paying Gary to rebuild the factory. Oh, I keep on forgetting that Derek's actually supposed to be the boss. Right. Gary and Maria are about to check out the flat at Victoria Court. Sarah walks by, shocked that the two of them are moving in, and hopes that Gary treats Maria better than he treated her. And Maria and Sarah have a little bit of a, uh-huh. a back and forth about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Despite deciding to keep the pregnancy thing under wraps, in the Rovers, it takes Sarah two seconds to suss out that Maria's at the duff. Uh-oh. Because they're talking about getting extra room and things like that. Right, and she's also not drinking alcohol. Right. It's Yeah, it's once uh, Jenny puts down the, the fizzy water with lime mm-hmm. that Sarah's like... And I mean, that's a that's a, that's a a trope, isn't it? Very much so. Later, Maria isn't happy with Gary and accuses him of just wanting to see Sarah's face. She hates being the centre of attention, she says. Mm-hmm. Sure. In comes Ali and Sarah wastes no time in telling him. Fizz and Ty congratulate them both. Then Ali goes round to Maria's telling her that she can't go through with this. Gary's a loan shark and kicked fuck out of writing. He's seen the books. He's seen it all written down. Maria doesn't believe him and chucks him out. She continually says, but he's a businessman. But he's a businessman. He says he's a businessman. Okay, Maria. Well, being a loan shark is a is a form it's a of, kind business. of business. Mm-hmm. It's a business. Even even you know, legitimate people who loan out money. It's a business. It's a business. Yeah. It is a business. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't recall disagreeing. On Wednesday, that guy out of bread is at Dev's wearing a Santa hat and wanting to post a poster about his winter wonderland. It's Big, big Something is his name. I can't remember what his name was. Yeah, he knows Chesney. So cause... he's the bloke out of bread as far as my notes are concerned. <laughs> Evelyn is unimpressed, but Maria thinks it's interesting. Lapland is coming to Weatherfield. He spots that Maria has an expensive purse and she insists it's a knockoff. Santa takes a look and says it's a real deal as it has a serial number and it costs at least a grand. Mm-hmm. Evelyn reckons it's either stolen or Gary's won the pools because according to Fizz, that furniture place isn't exactly making millions. Hmm. Maria turns up at the furniture place and gives Gary a hard time for giving her a gift that wasn't fake. And that cost over a thousand dollars. That's why, you know, because she... remember when he first gave it to her, she's like... Meghan Markle has this bag. Right. It's worth a lot of money. And, you know, that's when he says, no, no, it's fine. It's a fake because she doesn't feel comfortable accepting a uh, gift that costs a lot of money from a guy that she's been dating less than a month. Right. And is now moving in together with and having a baby. Right. And has <sighs> bought a car. Or so she thinks. Bought. Mm-hmm. Her Maria car. had to take the. Well, in real life. Uh, Samuel had to take to Twitter to say, look, I know she's gullible. Stop telling me. <laughs> Basically. Maria and, turns I mean, up- Michelle was gullible too. Right. At the furniture place and gives Gary a hard time for giving her a gift. Oh, I've already said that. Yes, he was have. worried about scaring her off, but nothing scares Maria more than lies. Yikes. She's worried about where his money is coming from and Gary frowns. He explains that Derek is throwing money into the factory and the furniture place is making more cash than Fizz knows. Maria wants to trust him and that's down to him, she says. She accuses him of beating up Ryan and says he sounds like he's a loan shark. Ryan says that Ryan stole money from him and then fucked him around. That's why he got beaten up. And Maria mentions the books and Gary says that's a tick book for tax. This is jealousy, says Gary, and Maria believes him and apologises for being so silly. 
Then Maria has asked to meet Ali at the pub. She's not happy that Ali has lied to her and feeds back all the lies Gary fed her. Ali says that she's in denial and she needs to come to that conclusion before... Ali says that she's in denial and she Mm -hmm. needs to come to that conclusion before it's too late to get rid of the baby. Uh, Which was just like the worst... (laughs) I I, I couldn't couldn't believe Ali said that. It's like... What? Right. Yeah. You need to have an abortion. Yeah, he's point blank telling her she needs to have an abortion because Gary's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Maria's Yikes. disgusted by this and tells him that Gary is ten times the man that Ali is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what multiple would you put on that? Ali is better than Gary. Right. By how much? Well, Ali hasn't killed anybody. Well, no, Ali, Ali has, has killed has somebody. Killed but Ali... Killed? Uh, no, no, she no. They both, Hope, they both, they both killed somebody to protect their family. Gary's ginger. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. So, so Ali's better. <laughs> <laughs> Gary shows up as Maria they leaves. They both have stupid haircuts, though. And threatens to go to the general medical council, but he'll keep that in his back pocket. Hmm. That's as far as we get with that one this week. Oof. That was woof. I don't think she's going to have a baby. Do you? Either way, eventually she's going to find out that Gary is bad news. Right. Whether or not that makes her decide not to keep the baby or not. Because hasn't... Hasn't Maria had a hard time as far as getting pregnant is concerned? No, I don't she's think had she's had Liam. issues in that regard. And that's the only one she's had. She's been unlucky in love, that's certainly true. Yes. Hmm. She's been wanting another baby. Yes. She's not really been trying. No. She hasn't been going with anybody well, for ages. Well, because she's slim pickings. <laughs> well, this is true. We went through this last week, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Okay, we don't have to do that again. No. Good. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. He seems to be batting. I don't know what that means. He's uh, punching above his weight. Gary? Mm-hmm. Well, he is pretty. Yeah, is he? Is she prettier than Sarah though? Gary's always been punching above no, his weight. They're both pretty, yeah. But Gary doesn't have any any bother landing the ladies. Well, it's true. It's that super speed has. It's amazing, and you know Sarah says this. Mm-hmm. You know <laughs> how lucky she was to have dodged that particular bullet. She yep. says point blank, which was hilarious. That wax bullet. Yep. Yes. However, I don't like that the show is kind of making it out like she really is jealous. That she really does want Gary back. I don't think she is, is she? She's mistrusted. When, when people accuse her, like, oh, well, why do you care? You know, she gets all flustered and stuff and storms off, which in my mind insinuates that she is a bit jealous. This was her decision, though, and she's now dating the, the gorgeous Adam. Seriously, she has done very well for herself. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Adam is way far up there above the Garys and Allies of this world. Right. As far as looks are concerned. Yes, yeah, brains-wise. Mm. Mm. Allie's probably the most intelligent out of the three of them, don't you think? Yeah, but intelligence isn't everything. Gary's good at whispering. (laughs) All three of them are quite loyal. 
All three of them love their families. Uh-huh. Do you think Adam loves his family? I think he does. He cares about he cares about Daniel and little oh, Bertie. He cares because he's told to care. No, I think he genuinely They're cares. Constantly dragging him along as they did this week. I think he genuinely cares. He let Bertie pull out his beard for Pete's sake. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> he slapped the hand away and anyway. <laughs> Oh look. We'll get to that. We're not feeling it tonight. Let's move on. <laughs> Our next line tonight is Tim's fucking dad. Oh okay. Disclaimer, right here in the front, I fast-forwarded through most of this right? because it's horrible and triggering and I just want the storyline to be over, please. Friend of the podcast, Chris, got in touch to say that he's doing the same. Good. He just can't find something bearable. It's, I found it quite unbearable tonight. Just yeah. awful. It's just, it, 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 it cuts a little too close to the bone for me as far as abusive relationships i've been in in my past so you would not have liked it this week i don't think no i the bits that i did see i didn't like on monday alia and ryan are tidying up yasmin's ahead of her and tim's dad coming home the party is over says alia and then we see that the surveillance camera is still there and recording <sighs> yasmin and tim's dad are home yeah. It's nice to be home, she says. He seems less happy. They both had a smashing time. Then comes Tim and Sally, and Tim's pissed that they didn't use streetcars to get home. <laughs> With Tim's dad upstairs, Sally wants Tim to take her to Vegas, but he says he's already been. Yasmin and Tim's dad did a bit of travelling, it would seem, and Yasmin wanted to see Menopause and Musical, but according to Tim's dad, when he went to get tickets, they were all sold out. Do you really think they were sold out? No, of course they were. No, no. Later, Yasmin is boring Tim and Sally. They saw Hoover Dam, though. That was nice. Did they? Yeah. They did do some travelling. Did they yeah. go to the Grand Canyon? I don't think they went to the Grand Canyon, but they did go to the Hoover Dam. She, I remember her saying Hoover Dam, and that made me laugh, because the last time you were in Vegas, you desperately wanted to go see the Hoover Dam, and you didn't have time. Oh, no, that wasn't why we didn't go. We didn't go because it was just after that mass shooting, and the place was crawling with police, and the traffic was hell. So we, kind of, we had one day to do it, and that was a Sunday that we arrived. And we just decided that no, let's let's not let's not bother. And that was it. I prefer to think that you just ran out of time because I hate thinking about the fact that you were there in the same hotel, right? A week after. Yep. The place was crawling with police. It was difficult. As it, it was be. It was difficult to move around. Yes. Oh. Anyway. Thanks <laughs> for that was. bringing us even further down tonight, Cal. <sighs> We are really sorry. <laughs> it's just not feeling it. It's so tired. This it, is a struggle. But let's crack on, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> just, just remember Gary's spooge in the water. <laughs> no, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tim's dad is in the corner watching surveillance video of Ryan and Alia, like the creepy bastard he is. Because he is a creepy bastard. Alia bumps into Tim's dad outside the shop. He accuses her of staying at the house with Ryan when they were away, and she initially denies it until he claims that he found Ryan's shoes at the side of the bed. His flip-flops. What's your fucking problem anyway, says Alia. It's not your house, isn't it? Asks Tim's dad, and then he insinuates that he and Yasmin are now married. Meanwhile, back at the house, Yasmin's got Tim a present. It's a I Love Slots t-shirt. Sally's got a magnet. Then Alia bursts in, say it ain't so, but Yasmin confirms it, saying it was a spur-of-the-moment decision. And Alia thinks that Tim's dad talked her into it, but Yasmin insists not. Alia isn't happy, but Sally and Tim offer their congratulations. 
Aldi's in no mood to celebrate. Tim says, no matter, we can celebrate properly when they make it official and for real by getting married in the UK. And seems to lose a bit of colour in his cheeks when it learns that marriages in Vegas are proper marriages that actually count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At <sighs> least one of the writers of Coronation Street. I have seen The Big Bang Theory. Oh really? Was this in The Big Bang Theory? They thought it didn't count? Somebody, somebody thinking that a Vegas wedding didn't count? Yeah. Who didn't? Who in The Big Bang Theory thought that? Um, Penny and the dumb guy. Remember? Penny and the dumb guy oh, had gone sucked. to Vegas. Yeah. Right. And Penny didn't realize that she was married, and that's how we introduced Zach to the whole show. That's how Zach was introduced. Because Penny had to go and find the dumb guy that she married, and she thought it was a big joke in Vegas. <sighs> Later, Tim's dad is pretending to be upset about telling Alia. He doesn't know why Alia hates them both. She doesn't hate them both. She just hates you. you. Tim's dad then reveals that Alia and Ryan were staying there when they were away. He didn't want to tell Yasmin and wants to let it slide. Noted, says Yasmin. And then Tim's dad wonders if Alia's problem is thinking that she's going to lose out on the inheritance. One inheritance. Tim is at the Rovers with Steve and Kev and he is still under the impression that Vegas weddings are just for show and they don't count. Steve and Kev disabuse him of this, but he still looks untrusting. Then Alia's at the bistro complaining to Ryan about the wedding. Yasmin comes to uh, comes round to clear the air about the inheritance in Tim's dad. She calls him a reasonable man and that he wants to be Alia's friend. And then she casts up the robbery, which was a seed planted by Tim's dad earlier. Alia isn't interested in all this pish and storms off, saying that it's nothing to do with the inheritance or any of that. Now that uh, Big What's-His-Name is, is back on the street during this uh, Winter Wonderland thing, do you think uh, that robbery... And who actually did it is finally going to pop out. Oh, that's a good notion. Yeah, maybe. Fingers crossed. Tim's back and on. Unha- oh, was it? Did Tim's dad sell it to the boy he bred? Was it him? Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. Tim's back and unhappy. He tells the boys that he's had a bad pint and he's breathing heavily. He tells them that he's married, not to Sally. He got married in Vegas. Steve thinks this is hilarious. It was 14 years ago, a stewardess that he bumped into a few times on the strip. She was older than him, maybe called Charlotte. Charlotte Woody says, then Kev makes, then Kev says this makes his wedding to Sally null and void, and it also makes Tim a bigamist. Tim says it's not funny, and Steve politely disagrees, and we're going to come no. back to this storyline. Bigger me. All later. Aha. Uh-huh. Because this is kind of, it goes a separate way from the Tim's dad storyline. So on Wednesday, Tim's dad comes home and he immediately makes a big deal about this party. She's keen to celebrate with Alia, but he isn't sure she'll even turn up. He wants a party at their place rather than Sally's, and when Yasmin kind of agrees, Tim's dad insists that the place gets tidied from top to bottom, and Yasmin should do it. Right, yeah, yeah, because, and she's like, but I've already cleaned it, and he's like, well, did you though? Yeah, this was... This is when I started to fast forward. <laughs> right. Tim's dad catches up with Alia the Rovers. He tells her Yasmin is worried about the party because of her. He threatens to cancel, and she says that she'll stay away. Okay, but as long as you come up with a decent excuse. And Yasmin is frantically cleaning at home, and Tim's dad comes in and accuses her of slacking off and drinking and all that other nonsense. He's off to the wholesalers to get nibbles for the party, and he fucks off calling her his little Trojan. And Alia won't be coming to the party. She told him to stick his olive branch up his arse. Right up his arse! And then on Friday, Yasmin is doing all the work getting the house tidied again. Tim's dad rushes out and is about to explain to her how to shell a crab when she points out that she's a chef and she knows how to do it. Tim's dad does not take this well. Fuck you later, he says, and then he goes off. But he's not going out to the wholesalers. 
he's just going to Roy's Rolls. And later at the party, Tim proposes a toast and Yasmin tells him to get wired into the food. Then Tim's dad proposes a toast of his own. Never in his wildest dreams did he think he'd find love again. He says he's the happiest man in the world. And they smooch. Ugh. Tim's dad and Yasmin, that is not Tim's dad and Tim. They don't smooch. Ugh. Later, Cathy seems to have a bit of crab shell in her mouth, which Tim's dad obviously notices. And later the party's over, and Tim's dad is complaining about dirty glasses at the party and the shell in Cathy's crab. Yeah, because at one point, Sally um, asks Yasmin for a, a clean glass, right. and Tim's dad notices. She nearly choked to death, he says. Yasmin calls out an oversight, and Tim's dad wonders if Yasmin was drunk, and she <sighs> seems to think this is funny. She doesn't think it's a big deal. Well, in that case, he says, and he plucks the crab out of the garbage. Eat it yourself, says Tim's dad. Eat it. And she says that she doesn't want to. And he tells her to be more careful, and then leaves her on a bath. <sighs> oh, that was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Forcing her to eat oh, garbage. Well, attempting to... Mm-hmm. She didn't, you know, no, did she? Didn't, she? No, she oh, Thank God. I, I am so done with this. Please. We can't have this going on for very much longer. No, it's just we really can't. It's so hard to watch. It, I can't watch it. I just, I cannot watch it. It needs to go away. Somebody needs to shoot Tim's dad in the forehead. I think that would be too quick. I want something kind of lingering. I just want it to be over. Like we've discussed. Yeah. I think this is going to get worse before it gets better. It's Unfortunately. Bad. Well, let's just move on then, shall we? Thank you. Our next storyline tonight is Bernie the Catfish. <laughs> Not much happened with that. No, there's a few scenes. Bernie and Gemma are waiting for the bus while Bernie secretly continues her catfishing off Kel. Gemma's had a call from the hospital asking for her and Chess to meet with a nurse today. But Bernie still hasn't heard back from Kel with the message about, oh, what did she say? She was 14 and gagging for it or something. No, 14 and wants to meet up and... It's Can you teach me how to be a DJ yeah. and stuff? At the hospital, it sounds like the kids are ready to come home. Well, two of them are. Chesney and Paul are building the cots, wondering if anyone called, uh, wondering if anyone's called Alan Key. Here's a random fact for you. I know for a fact that there is an Alan Key. My friend Ashley Key. Her dad's name was Alan, so there is an Alan Key. In comes Bernie and demands a cuppa, so Paul nips off for milk. Meanwhile, Bernie gets a response from Kel telling the kid to check out his contact information on the website. In America, they're called Alan Wrenches. I don't know anybody called Alan Wrench. Oh, that's too bad. Sorry, best I can do is Alan <laughs> Key. Bernie isn't very good at this catfishing malarkey and immediately asks to meet up with Kel. Then on Friday, uh, we just have the baby stuff, there's no more catfishing. Jim was unhappy about the babies coming home on Friday the 13th. Meanwhile, Ches is keen to get his hole while there's still some peace and quiet. But it's too late, because Paul and Fizz turn up. Paul points out that it's going to be a huge change for them, but Gemma points out that they're only taking two home for now. Ches thinks it'll be fine, and they head off to the hospital. There are five men named Alan Wrench on Facebook. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Some A-L-L-E-N and some A-L-L-A-N. How do they spell in Wrench? W-A-W? Yeah, W-R-E-N-C-H. At the hospital, the consultant has changed their tune and now all four babies can go home today. What? Right now, in fact. Get him out of here. Ches and Gemma shit a brick and outside, Ches seems to have his hands on a minivan now. He had that horrible beat-up Volvo, but this right. is a... Right. I think this is one of the things that they got 
They got a free car? I I think somebody either... Yeah, I I seem to remember uh, something about, you know, somebody giving them a free car because they're going to have four babies and they need to be able to get four babies around and stuff. Babies. Babies. This baby is sleeping soundly. He's struggling with the car seats, which is a metaphor or something. Back home, Ches is explaining about routine. Routine is so Chesney. They talk about divvying up the chores of feeding and winding, but then the babies wake up and they're all crying. They struggle to know who's been fed and who hasn't, and Gemma reckons they're going to be terrible parents. And then Paul and Fizz arrive, and Paul thinks the place smells like shite. <laughs> That's as far as we get. Right, that it's baby poop. Uh, how is the uh, catfishing working for you? I don't know what she intends to do. I really don't know either. Is she going to find a 14-year-old boy? <laughs> is it gonna, Joseph. Is it going to be like uh, to catch a predator or something? Is she going to have like cameras set up? And I don't know. She's going to hide in a bush. I don't know what she thinks she's doing. High-powered binoculars. I don't know. I don't get it. I, I'm still confused as to what a DJ coach is. <laughs> Apparently, Kill Ellen Wrench is a metal band. Oh. As is uh, Kill Motherfucking Depeche Mode. That's also a band. <laughs> Don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that Kill Alan Wrench is, is a death metal van. Death metal van? <laughs> death metal van. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, because she, she had sent like uh, a message via his email, via his website the first time, and then mm-hmm. it was like a text message the second time. And he says, he texts back, sup. Did you see that? Oh, no. Did he? S apostrophe U-P. He Man typed tells he shouldn't be doing that, should he? Sup. Hmm. 14-year-olds don't even text sup. I thought Bernie's attempts at sounding 14 were quite amusing. Hi, I am 14. I am a 14-year-old boy. I mean, it's like, could she be any more obvious? No. I am a 14-year-old boy, and I would like to meet you and see your stuff. Right. I'm really excited to meet you. And see you perform and... What? Yeah. Nobody talks like that. Nobody. He probably thinks it's the police trying to catch him. Right. Let's move on to our next storyline tonight, which is Boring Rita. Oh, this made me sad. Poor Rita. This is ridiculous because Rita has hundreds of friends. Right. Everyone in the street knows her. Everybody loves Everyone her. Everyone likes her. And now all of a sudden nobody can be bothered to speak to her. And Jenny keeps saying to her, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> On Monday, Rita's complaining to Jenny about wasting everyone's time with a fake wedding. Jenny's bored listening to her and has to open the pub. Rita offers to help, but Jenny tells her to put her feet up. Norris is back. Briefly. Again. It's just a flying visit. He and that deaf woman are looking for properties in the area, and Rita insists that he comes in for a couple with her. So Rita fills in Norris with the business about the wedding. It seems that Emily is fine now, and then Norris gets a text from Frida and disappears to the pub, telling Rita to stay where she is. Which was weird. It was weird. Other overs, Norris and Jenny are gossiping about Rita feeling out of touch and at a loose end. And Norris remarks that she's always felt this way about retiring, but he thinks that retiring is not half bad, thank you very much. 
Back at home, Rita's upset and phones Gemma and she leaves a message offering them help and asks to give the baby, babies, her love. And she seems like on the verge of tears. Oh, she's so crying. bad. She was oh, crying. poor Rita. And then on Friday, Rita turns up to see Chez and Gemma, but they're in a rush to get to the uh, hospital to get the babies home. Rita's been effed in the A once again, she says. She goes to the Rovers and suggests going to see Gemma later when they get home, but Jenny thinks that Gemma will want some peace and quiet. Yeah. Yeah, because she's not going to... And Jenny again says, I'm not trying to be funny. (laughs) So this is a lonely at Christmas storyline then. Pretty much. Uh, Poor Rita. But no, but this this is just nonsense. I hope, like... I hope in the end it turns out that, you know, Norris is there to help organise a... A big party for Rita or something. Oh, this isn't going to happen, no, but still. No. It sounds like it sounds like Frida and Norris might be moving back onto the street from the sounds of it. It's a possibility. I'd quite like seem, Norris to be back. She I doesn't like seem to like Scotland very much. A cow. <laughs> Fuck you, Frida. <laughs> be nice. Yeah, so this is probably going to be Lonely at Christmas. Yeah, I don't I don't like it fun fest for for the Christmas episode. See, this is a good idea not doing this when we're when we're on vacation. Mm. Our next storyline tonight is, shit, is this really a storyline? Oh, on Monday, no. Hope is nine. Yay! Yay! And has got a lovely pink scooter for her birthday. So much for hiding the phone, she's got it in the basket on the front of the scooter and then she gets a call from Jade. Yes. As That's she's... it. Yes. Yes. Fizz... And Tyrone and Evelyn, they have this child who's nine years old, who has had emotional problems and, you know, a fear of being abandoned to the point where she cut up her mother's clothes. They're letting her scoot around the street (laughs) all by herself. Mm -hmm. She seems quite happy, but she seems to have aged quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Hmm. Quite grown up. For nine. There was a picture of her, one of the stills from uh, ITV, and she's got her ITV puffer jacket on. Oh, Adorable. Just adorable. So there's nothing much going on with that one. Just now we just know that Jade's still in touch. Yes. Next, Wuthering Daniel. On Monday, Peter, Ken and Adam have gone into Daniel's. The place is a mess and littered with beer bottles and there's no sign of Daniel. Peter isn't happy that they're interfering as they tidy the place. Then in comes Daniel, unhappy to see them. He wants to be in his own and he chucks them all out. Back at number one, the barrels are enjoying a fish tea. Peter is still concerned for Daniel, who has worked out how to project the videos onto the TV now. He finally comes across a video that's for him. It's Sinead telling Daniel that Bethany is a lovely girl and when she's gone, she doesn't want him to beat himself up about what happened. Beth is unlikely to forgive him though, but Bethany is nice and bright and pretty. She's not saying go for it, but she understands. And Daniel does not take this very well at all. No, he really does not. I'm so tired of Daniel. <laughs> I think a lot of people are feeling quite a lot of sympathy for him. <laughs> Just an observance. His beard's coming in quite nicely, though. Is it? <laughs> On Wednesday, Adam meets up with Ken and Roy's roles. It sounds like Bertie has been crying all night, according to Evelyn. 
and Ken and Adam go to Daniel's flat and find him kind of passed out with Bertie sitting on the kitchen floor against the dishwasher. Adam takes Bertie who tries to play with Adam's beard and it's hilarious. And Daniel insists that nothing is going to be alright ever again. Watch the video, he says, you'll see. So Daniel shows Ken the video and Ken points out that Sinead forgave him. He seems to be focusing on the wrong thing. Yes. Daniel doesn't think he's deserving of a forgiveness. The wrong person died, he says, and I don't disagree. Zing! Ken points out that the videos are there to make him feel better, not a reproach from the grave, and he tells Daniel to get a fucking wash and go out and face the world. And with the exception of this one, they're not for him! <laughs> the Barlows minus Ken turn up at the bistro, Adam apologetic because he thought it was Bethany's night off. And they get wired into the booze, apart from Peter, obviously. Daniel pre- pretends to go off to the bogs, but grabs a bottle on his way out, and Bethany gives chase, but Daniel steps into the road and is run over by Cathy, whose windscreen is fucked. <laughs> He's alive, unfortunately. And we, and we all said, yes! <laughs> hit him again, Cathy! Just hit him again! Just run right back over him! He's alive, unfortunately, and Daniel oh. thinks he's apologising to Sinead, but he's really talking to Bethany. He gets up and walks away. the sun's in his eyes. And Bethany chases after him again. So Daniel and Bethany are now in the emergency community garden. Daniel continues his poor me routine. He, he feels like a charity case, he says. Bethany says it comes from a good place, but then seems to think Daniel's had the worst break, rather than Sinead. He will never forgive himself for betraying her. He explains what Sinead said in the video, and he claims to have watched that a thousand times. There's no way he's watched that a thousand times. Yeah. She doesn't think he was really kissing her. It could have been anyone. He was only looking for comfort. Sinead was and is the love of his life. He wishes that Sinead knew that. And Bethany thinks it's up to him. Either find comfort in how he feels about her or torture himself about a moment that meant nothing. She tells him to get a fucking grip of himself, which is a, well line, of, a line of people telling him to get a grip of himself. Focus on the boy that's supposed to be his whole life, she says. Sinead would never understand falling in front of cars or wallowing in self-pity. Wise words indeed from Bethany. And that's, and that's true. Uh, Sinead really never had any patience for self-pity that's right that's something you could say about Sinead she didn't suffer fools gladly no she didn't except for Daniel (laughs) but even Daniel she like yelled at him a couple of times for being a fanny yeah Mm -hmm. and wallowing in self-pity Bethany has managed to convince Daniel to go to the medical centre she called Adam, who's concerned about how he's doing, and Daniel apologises for his behaviour. He's been given a chance Sinead never got. Uh-oh. He thanks Bethany for her help. So Daniel has finally shown Bertie some attention. He apologises for being a cheerless prick and claims that Bertie makes him happy. Bertie deserves to be happy, and there are amazing things in people in this world, which his mummy knew. He gives thanks for the time that they had together. Some people will never know that, and he promises to do better. Mm-hmm. On Friday... Daniel sees Cathy and apologises for getting run over and offers to pay for her windscreen, but she's fine about it. That's what insurance is for. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the insurance company would be interested to know that she ran someone over. Well, he ran out in front of her. Hmm. He sees Bethany and asks her for a drink at Roy's, but she has other things to do. That here. is an interesting question, though, because nobody called the police. No, somebody really should have called and, the police. And, you know, he doesn't go to the hospital to get checked out. No, just go stop. Until, like, hours afterwards. Right. Huh. Hmm. So, she's got other things to do, and he appreciates her talking some sense into him, and this is viewed by James, who's coming out of his house. 
Mm-hmm. And James catches up with Beth in the Rovers and wants to take her to the Winter Wonderland, but she says that she's skint. And James insists, and Bethany reluctantly kind of agrees. And at the Winter Wonderland, James tells Bethany that he knows that she has the, help, the hots for Daniel, and she gets upset and rushes away. He catches up with her at the Rovers. She doesn't want his opinion on Daniel or anything, thank you very much. No, 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 no. You forgot. They bump into another guy who's on his football team. And it's obvious that James is trying to hook her up with this guy. I was confused about that because isn't... She's his beard. Right. So why would he try and set her up because with Because he cares else? about her and because maybe he just doesn't want a beard anymore. Oh, maybe. Uh, she's not going to ditch Daniel as a mate when he really needs one, she says. And that's as far as we get with that. Mm-hmm. So James is, well, we kind of said this a few weeks ago, didn't we, that for somebody who was supposedly good out with this footballer, Bethany really did seem to be hanging about with Daniel an awful lot. Correct. And kind of blown his cover quite a bit. Right, and mm. she says, and you know, when he says to her, hey, we haven't been out in a while, we should go out on a date, she seems kind of meh about it. Right. Hmm. I'm not sure where we're going with this. Yeah. Do you think she's going to hook up with Daniel, though, is she? I honestly thought at first that that other guy that they meet up with was also gay. So I was a little surprised. I think that's where I was coming from, I think. I think that was my assumption. You know, when she gets all upset that he's obviously trying to hook them up together. Mm -hmm. Our next storyline tonight is, (laughs) let's have another bigamist storyline, shall we? Is this it? When was the last one? Robert. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, but he never actually married the two of them, so. He did his damnedest, didn't That's he? That's true. He would have. He probably would have. That would have been crazy. On Wednesday, Tim is having a crisis that's interrupted by Sally and her ZZ Top playlist. This sparks Sally into a mini diatribe about people who get hitched in Vegas, deserving exactly what they get. That said, she thinks it's a lovely gesture. Tim spurts out that he's not getting married in Vegas again and has to quickly backtrack. Sally wants to throw a Vegas-themed party for Tim's dad and Yasmin, and we all know how that ended up. So Tim is round at Imran's, who thinks the marriage is legal. You're fucked, he says. His marriage to Sally is null and void. Imran thinks if he didn't fuck this Charlotte, then unconsummated marriage could get uh, could get invalidated, and he advises that he finds her. In the Rovers, Steve and Kev are filling Tim in on how Henry VIII got out of marriage by switching from the Catholic Church and plunging the country into religious and political turmoil, both of which seem beyond Tim. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, chopping off the heads of wives. No big deal. Tim says that he can get one marriage annulled and then get another one validated without anyone knowing. He gets his phone out and does some detective work. Later, Tim's remembered that Charlotte was known as as Charlie and he uh, he finds a Manchester Charlie Wood. Tim can't decide if that's the right woman or not, and Steve thinks it would be better to speak to her face-to-face rather than send her a message, which is probably sensible. Well done, Steve. Yeah. It's so the three amigos turn up at this bar. Suspiciously reasonable for Steve. That features in the profile pic. Tim thinks that she's serving behind the bar, and after some coaxing, approaches her. Tim is creepy when he approaches the wrong woman, but then the right woman arrives and calls him Timbo. Long time no see, she says. Is it weird that 14 years have gone by and... She never, and they live so close to one another. She never thought to Look seek him, him out. Right. 
she's amused that Tim has ditched his quiff. That was quite funny. The idea of Tim with a quiff. Yeah. <laughs> they catch up, and it seems that she was well aware that the two of them were married due to the power vested in Sammy Davis Jr. He doesn't know why she never looked to find him, but she never had a reason, she says. They never slept together, she says, but they fucked like rabbits, and she remembers his birthmark. Yeah, she's got a banana sticker. <laughs> it's probably actually a banana sticker. FYI, listeners, I tried really hard to get this episode named Banana Sticker, but Gav, Gav really pushed through on the menopause thing. I'd already taken the sound clip. That was the deciding factor. If I hadn't taken the sound clip, then I would have gone with it. But I wasn't doing it twice. That's how much <laughs> I could be bothered this week. So... Uh, Tim and Charlie agree that they can't get an annulment seeing as Tim and Charlie got their hole so often more frantic than tantric says Charlie which I can believe mm-hmm. Tim wants her to lie about it but she's not that kind of girl it'll be divorced then and she wants 10 grand she thinks that reasonable and it turns out she's, she's JK joking. Right. 15 years and never a crossword she says back in the pub Kev advises Tim to tell Sally the truth but because they live in a soap opera it doesn't look like Tim is going to go along with that idea no. on Friday Sally's nagging Tim about turning up like a scruffy bastard at the wedding breakfast Tim wants a word but Sally rushes out to get her hair seen to later in the pub Abby with very red lipstick comes into yes. the rovers <laughs> did you notice that? that lipstick was so distracting it's like oof Tim what are you doing it's like who does she think is going to be at this party dull it down a little bit <laughs> Jeez, I had to adjust the contrast on my TV set. <laughs> I don't have a TV set. So she comes into the Rovers and spies Tim. She tries to hurry him along to the stupid party and then Tim opens up to her about the extra wife that he has. She advises that he comes clean with Sally. Honestly, it's the best policy. Probably, she says. She was quite funny. Yes. At Yasmin and Tim's dad's party, Tim and Sally reminisce about their wedding and Tim casts up that she kissed Kev on their wedding day, but he forgave her. Uh-huh. Setting the, He's setting setting the foundations up. here. Setting it up. Meanwhile, Abby quizzes Kev about Tim in Vegas, and Kev quickly susses that Abby knows about the extra wife. Uh-oh. After giving it some thought, Sally agrees that she ruined her wedding day, and she only hopes that she can make it up to him. Later, Tim proposes to Sally. She deserves the perfect day, he says. Let's get married again. And she agrees. And Abby and Kev roll their eyes. Yeah, they do. And later... Tim explains his plan to Kev and Abby. He's going to divorce the other one and arrange a proper wedding with photos and signing the registry and all that jazz. And Sally doesn't need to know. Do you think Sally's going to find out about this? Of course she's going to find out about this. <laughs> Do you think this? she's going to react well I'm to really this? disappointed that Dev isn't in the middle of this as well. Right. Because Dev would be hilarious about all of this. I learned about the storyline maybe two weeks ago yeah, and I right. thought what a stupid idea for a storyline I can't believe that they're going to do another bigamy story right it's in, and rip off the big bang theory but it's quite funny eh. I'm kind of enjoying it eh. it's just Tim being an arsehole it just amuses me yeah but Sally's not going to be able. she's not going to enjoy this she's, she's really not yeah. yeah I thought it was quite funny as well how uh well, you asked me and Tim's dad getting married in Vegas, and that's kind of what triggers his thoughts about Vegas marriage. It didn't seem all that contrived when it, when it's probably been born in a meeting room where somebody said, "Wouldn't it be funny if Tim's dad was already if Tim was already married?" 
without giving it much thought. So for it to develop in that way, I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting. You do get the Big Bang Theory <clears throat> over there. Yeah. Somebody has seen it. And so somebody said, let's do this. Yeah, but drugs have been involved. <laughs> what would be really funny was, that's, I'm sure this is how some of these storylines get born. And it still, it makes absolutely no sense to me that they live in the same city and she knew that it was legal and the real deal right. and didn't think, wait a minute, we should actually, you know, make a go of this or get divorced right away. Especially since she's an air stewardess. You'd think that she would... No, she was anyway. Is she still? I, well, I don't think so. It seems like she works in that bar now, yeah? With her sister. Because they looked an awful lot alike, the two of them. Right. And, like, her whole story of, well, you know, I was going to seek you out and get a divorce if I ever found the right guy, but I never did. Really? Right. Maybe you would have looked harder if you didn't know that you were already married and you would have to go through... Uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just ridiculous. Given the fact, given the fact that they've never bumped into each other, yeah, they're unlikely to bump into each other if all things been equal. Unless one of them goes looking for the other one and that doesn't seem to be something that she was likely to do and... He could quite easily have just said, you know what, we've got the marriage certificate, there's no record of me being married in this country in Vegas, let's just pretend it never happened and get on with our lives. And nobody would have been any the wiser. Mm. Nobody would have. I'm also a little confused because... I do believe that for like a destination wedding, you do have to be registered first in the country you live in that you're citizens of. Because isn't that part of the whole Yasmin and Tim's dad thing that, you know, they get called out as far as, you know, it not really being a spur of the moment thing because they had gotten a marriage license, a marriage license in the UK first. No, they got it in the US. Hmm. And when I got my marriage license, or our marriage license, I just needed my passport and proof of my address, which was my driver's license, and that's all I needed. Yeah. And then the next day we had a marriage license. Right. But I'm an American. I don't think that made any difference. And we were going to be living here. I don't think that made any difference either. Nobody asked where we were going to be living. Hmm. I don't know. The whole thing just seems... So convoluted. Oh, very much so. But yeah, it's kind of amusing. Meh. Our penultimate storyline tonight is the Winter Wonderland. Hmm. On Friday, Michael sees the block off of bread, harass a couple of uh, Christmas elves out of Roy's Rolls. Michael approaches him and the guy explains about the Weatherfield Winter Wonderland and sells him on a family fun for young and old type deal. At home, Michael's excited to be taken. Uh, and Grace. one of the elves... Elvis, Elfish Presley. Presley, yes. So Elvis gets two references this week on Coronation Street. Who was the first one? When Tim and Sally first find out that Yasmin and um, what's his name got married, Sally asks if they were married by an oh. Elvis impersonator because that's 
That's Vegas. That yeah, it is Vegas. At home, Michael is excited about uh, taking Grace and Tiana to the Winter Wonderland, and Ed tells Aggie just to let it go and let Michael make his own mistakes if that's what's going on. He says Michael's never been so happy because Aggie, I don't think she trusts Grace very much. And Grace and Tiana have turned up at the house. Aggie's uncomfortable and asks if it's okay if she buys Tiana the occasional thing or two. And Grace is very um, accepting of this. Yes. And then at the Winter Wonderland, Grace mentions that she's looking for a better paid job and it looks like she might be moving to London, but she's not moving to London at all. No. The bloke from Bread is an awful Santa and Grace smells booze on Santa's breath, which is enough to make her take the kid home. Yes. She's only nine months old. She doesn't really care about any of this anyway. No. Later, Michael wants his money back or he's off to the council to report the guy from Bread. The guy from Bread admits that they've had a few complaints and gives Michael his money back. The Wonderland is not how Santa envisioned it turning out. Michael thinks it's a great idea, but it needs to be operated better. And with his input, they should go 50-50. And they're shaking it. So Michael looks like he's going to get involved in the Winter Wonderland next week. Oh, and Fizz brings <coughs> hope. And oh, that's right, yeah. To the, to the Winter Wonderland. She's not happy. And she, like, rips the arm off of a polar bear or something. <laughs> right. And she only brings hope. She didn't bring Ruby. Why not? Why wouldn't she bring both little girls? Or is this part of Hope's birthday? No, I don't think so. No. I think Ruby must have been naughty. Not our Ruby. Mm-hmm. Never naughty. Oh, she's probably hanging out smoking cigarettes with Evelyn. <laughs> our final story on today. Evelyn has her working in the <laughs> in the shop again. Killing Irish, Tina. Oh. On Wednesday at the bistro, Bethany and Faye seem to be struggling with some asshole in the kitchen who keeps ringing the bell demanding service. It's Robert. Michael gets... Michael? Michelle gets into the bistro. Bethany says that he's in the back and he's kicked out the relief staff and Michelle calls for some backup. And that backup is Ryan and Ali. They go into the kitchen to throw Robert out. How on earth did he kick out the relief staff in the kitchen? They're adults. Right. They've been hired for a job. Stay put. He's not intimidated and Ryan once again mentions that Robert's pregnant missus is missing and maybe he should be looking for her. He refuses to walk away from the business and when Ali objects, Robert attempts to cast up the death of Ronan. Ali goes for him and the three guys throw their dicks on the table with Robert agreeing to leave, he says. (laughs) But I'll be back. (laughs) Robert is at the flat packing up. He's not sure why he's leaving seeing as he's the one that pays the rent. Plus he's not sure why people keep casting up Irish Tina to him. Michelle doesn't know and doesn't want to know. Leave before she calls the police, she says. Then on Friday, John and Jenny are arguing about letting Robert stay at their B&B. And by their B&B, we mean upstairs at the Rovers. He comes in and complains about not sleeping well. And secretly, Johnny and Jenny wonder what happened to Irish Tina. But Robert overhears and insists he wants to know what happened too. And at that, D.S. McKinnon comes in looking to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. No one has seen Irish Tina and there's been no activity on her credit card or phone. Robert protests his innocence and McKinnon points out that he's the last person to see her and that Michelle was worried about Irish Tina turning up at the wedding. So he must have been very convincing to be able to talk her out of it. Correct. In the bistro, Johnny explains what happened with Robert earlier. She wouldn't be surprised if he was responsible. Meanwhile, at Irish Tina's, the police seem to have found something very interesting. I thought it was Craig, but it wasn't. It was another ginger <laughs> policeman. <laughs> I was looking about Irish Tina's. Then later, Jenny catches Robert in the rovers looking up flights on his laptop. He says that he's going to pay for the bill for his room and he's heading off for a few days, but on his way out, he's stopped by the coppers. He claims to be on his way to Ireland to find Irish Tina, but he's arrested on suspicion of assault. And it's Paula who's representing Robert at his interview. Uh-oh. She gets put in her place by D.S. McKinnon. Do you notice she that? She really does. Stop interrupting me, you hag. 
she says. <laughs> and Paula's like, well, fuck you later then. It probably will. No. There was a lot of sexual tension in that room. Well, there was. It was palpable. <laughs> he explains about Irish Tina throwing stuff at him. The cops found a bit of a vase that had blood in it. And the cops bet it's Irish Tina's blood. And they want to search his flat, his business, and his car, and his room at the Rovers. Yeah, and, and she was very smart. She asked him, oh, well, did it hit you? And he's like, no, right. no, it did not. I was able to dodge and stuff. Which is true, right? And Yeah, which is absolutely true. And she's like, well... It's very interesting, because we found a piece of a vase with blood on it. Right. The cops know about the double engagement. Irish Tina was expecting uh, a happily ever after with Robert. And he's lied to Michelle, and he's lied to Irish Tina. Paula wants evidence rather than uh, supposition. And every time she seems to open her mouth, a cop shows up with more evidence. (laughs) I know, that was pretty (laughs) funny too. And at this, the cop shows up with what uh, is a... It's news about another fragment of the glass that's been found in Robert's van. Yes, the vase. Plus the van was seen by the woods, and Robert had all that shite in his boots the next morning. McKinnon accuses him of killing Irish Tina, and Paula doesn't think they have a case, and then the cops come back in again with even more evidence. The blood is Irish Tina's, and that is how we end this week's episodes. So, so the cops are going to be scouring this wood. Ooh. Do you think they're going to find Rick the chin? Oh, maybe. <laughs> His chin sticking out the ground. <laughs> that was my first thought. I was like, oh my God, they're going to find Rick the chin's body. Oh, that would be amazing. <gasps> and then Robert gets done for killing Rick the chin. <laughs> it's all coming together. Do you recognise this chin, sir? Because remember, the police were, for for a short period of time, looking for Rick the chin. They never found him. What happened to Rick the Chin's daughter, who was, like, desperately trying to fight her, her, her father? Wasn't uh, uh, Rick the Chin's assistant, did she not do something? Sharon. Yeah. Did Sharon not insist that Gary pay her off or something? I can't remember. Mm. But, yeah, it's. I thought at the time it was interesting that it was the woods where yeah. Rick the Chin was buried. That would be that would be wonderful, hmm. because Irish Tina's not dead, so she's not in the woods. But what was Is Robert she? doing at the woods? Because hmm. Irish Tina's not dead. I refuse to believe that. She might be. She's not. Robert's no. Robert's no killer. He's a lover, not a fighter. Ugh. <laughs> 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 Drink this water, Robert. Lover. <laughs> It tastes funny. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yikes! Interesting. She's going to get. He's going to get done for murder. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but then, but then, Irish Tina can't can't buy the bistro, right? Because she can't come back. No. Michelle has paid her off though, and she's probably in Ireland. I would say so. I think that's most obvious. It's it's very interesting, though, that she hasn't used any of her credit cards or anything. Because that really makes it seem like she's dead. Uh-huh. Where's Tyler? That's what I was about to ask. Because when we went to Irish Tina's house, there was no sign of him. No. Although I guess the muscle... The police must have been let in. Right. I don't know. Hmm. hmm. 
Very interesting. Uh, we're getting the rubble up to something that's... <laughs> so many things are coming together. I know. I'm, I'm just glad that the whole wedding thing's done, because that was driving that was me crazy. dreadful. But the disappearing Irish Tina thing is... I love it. Yeah, this is much better. Much better storyline. Your moment of the week. Oh, gosh. Oh, just, we've got through this, like... 20 minutes quicker than we usually do. <laughs> We're in a hurry. We didn't really have as many tangents as we usually do. No. This is Big Bang Theory. And yeah, kill motherfucking Depeche Mode. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Alan Rent. And my friend Ashley Key. Hi, <laughs> Ashley. She's married now. She's actually something else. And her father, Alan Key. Yes. Who well, I'm assuming is still Alan Key. Right. I wonder if they're related to Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star Spangled Banner. No. <laughs> Your moment of the week. Gosh, I really can't think of anything. Do you have anything? Um, <laughs> I can't give it to Bertie trying to pull <laughs> Adam's beard off. Uh, oh, and uh, did, did we mention did, did, did we mention that uh, Nick has gotten the has filled out the paperwork for yes. a loan to buy? Right, that wasn't the moment we kind of Rita. No, no. Oh, Kathy running over Daniel. <laughs> yeah, that's our moment of the week. <laughs> for the wrong reasons. <laughs> for the wrong reasons, Kathy almost killing Daniel is our. Moment, moment of the week. week. <laughs> moment of the week. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you? Are you gonna get a screenshot of it like flying up in the air? I'm gonna try. It'll be like that. Uh, uh, it'll be like that. Um, that meme of Brad Pitt in that movie right. that we talked about months ago. Right. <laughs> Meet Joe Black. Your boring moment of the week. <laughs> Nick filling out paperwork for a loan application. That's pretty boring. No. Anyway, you look at it, that's boring. No, well, we don't watch him fill it out. We just see him telling Sarah that we he's filling it out. find out about it, Yeah, something else has got to be more boring. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'd say Rita. Rita. Rita boring Jenny to death. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Rita boring Jenny to death is our boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up then? Yes, oh, please. Stick a fork in this one. <laughs> Call it done, shall we? If you've been married to a stewardess and just a former like mayor countries. at the same time and want to invite us to yet another wedding because weddings seem to work out just great for you, here's how you can get in touch. On email with the talk of the street gmail.com, which is how you can leave us a voicemail on Skype or a couple of nuggets in a virtual tip jar on PayPal. We are at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and any other form of social media, either fictional or otherwise. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We'll be back next week with our Christmas Talk of the Street. Ho, ho, ho. Cheerio. Bye.
This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.